Now, why didn't I think about that? That is so shrewd and clever. And to think, it was right there in front of my face. Hmm, I need to learn how to do that. Hey, welcome to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with me, your host, Michelle Spiva, aka your Practical Priestess of Wisdom. And I want to get you to stick with me on the flip as we get into talking about how to have a harvesting skill and a harvesting spirit. I'll see you then. The incident I was talking about in the A part had to do with uh, recently I went to an outing in one of our parks here in Atlanta. And I was used to seeing people selling water, you know, for the heat because it can get very hot here in Atlanta. Oh, yes, it can. But what I wasn't familiar with and prepared for was for the people who had taken it a step further. And they had packaged a bottle of water and taped around it a uh, supplement uh, to put in the water and and, uh, a, a, a straw, if you would, because now straws are illegal um but the the way they had the straw was it it was um not uh it, it was uh how can i oh it was marketed as a uh memento and so it actually was uh, a sil- i think it was silicone yeah a silicone straw and uh they had the water and they had the little packet of uh, uh, vitamins to turn the water into like a vitamin water kind of thing. And because the bottle was a bigger bottle, so it wasn't a 16 ounce, it was one of those like 22 kind of ounce bottles. And um, they had uh, the straw and that, and the straw had uh, the colors of the, the concert that we were going to. Instead of being able to sell the bottle of water for two to $3, they were selling the bottle of water for $7 and it was because they had added a little supplement and they had put this straw, this keepsake uh, silicone straw that wouldn't, you know, hurt the animals. Now I'm not going to talk about the fact that the whole bottle itself was plastic, but that's for another day, but (laughs) it was so clever, so shrewd and they were making a killing because people were like, this is so clever. Oh, and by the way, it was sparkling water. And, and that's what got me. I absolutely love sparkling water. And um, in, in the state, I'll just go and tell y'all what it was. So in the States, they had gone to uh, Trader Joe's and bought cases and cases of their bigger uh, waters and um, taken um, some uh, supplements uh, that you can get um, to help with electrolytes and uh, to replenish. And instead of getting the flavored waters, they got the regular waters and they taped that little supplement on along with the straw. And like I said, the straw was commemorative and people were so gracious and grateful and the water, they kept it ice cold and it was a no brainer. It's like you're out there in sweltering heat. You feel like you're in a convection oven. And then you have this person that has this big bottle of water that's already refreshing because it's going to be uh, spring water. And then they have a little supplement to replenish all of the good nutrients that you out there sweating out. And they give you a straw that is going to uh, be commemorative. There's a no brainer, $7. Here you go. Yes. And I was like, that is so clever. Why didn't I think about that? And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. 
Um, because if you don't naturally have the spirit now in my neck of the woods uh, in the South, we have a name for this kind of person who's ingenious and clever like this. And we say, we say they have the gathering spirit on them where they're able to gather the opportunities, the income, and they're able to see the things that are there that nobody else can see. Um, but it is also a trainable skill and we call it the harvesting skill in the more, um, mainstream business side of the world. So much so that there is a book that I've talked about uh, a few times here, and I'm going to give a shout out to it again today. And that is a book called Play Bigger. And in that book, they talk about how to become a category king, a category designer, and a category harvester. And so I wanted to bring that up, but there is another book that I've mentioned before here as well. And it is called The Laws of Human Nature by one of my favorite uh, authors, Robert Greene. And he doesn't talk about the gathering spirit that way, but he does in his own special way, highlight a few people in this book. And I'm going to talk about one today and uh, tell you about the gathering spirit that she had on her. Okay. So let me just go on and get into it. And I'm going to start real quick with um, the story of the lady that had a real big gathering spirit on her. And she, she really took this. And that was the woman that we came to know as Coco Chanel. Now, of course, her name was Gabrielle Chanel, but she became known as Coco. And the reason why Coco had a harvesting uh, talent and a gathering spirit all through her soul was because she was able to see and look for unidentified, invisible, but yet existing opportunities. You see, growing up, she had been orphaned by her father after the death of her mother when she was a young girl in her preteens. Sent off to a convent, she knew that that was not the life for her. It wasn't until she found romance novels. Now, you guys, this is around the turn of the the, the 19th to the 20th century. So this is the early 1900s. Uh, her mother died, I think, like at the end well, anyway, I think her mother died at eight, 1895. And um, just suffice to say, she had used her gathering spirit that by 1925, just 30 years later, she was ruling the roost. So let me break this down. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about her. I'm going to tell you some components of the gathering spirit and the harvest skill and uh, give you some practical stuff. And this is something that I am putting into my life life skills training uh, segments that I'm doing because I believe everybody needs to have this harvesting skill. So back to Miss Coco Chanel. So what she did was is after she uh, left the convent, she decided she wanted to be an actress, but she quickly realized that she did not have the talent for that. Oh, no, she did not. And because of that, she kind of went away that, you know, people don't realize is... Um, um, well, I'm going to say it this way. <laughs> if you do your research and look at your history, women who become courtesans, pros prostitutes and the like, they quickly learn to see life as a, uh, a, a game or a business. And I'm going to take the liberty and say that because of her experience there, she learned how to market herself differently from the other courtesans that were in the same community where she was. And so, she realized that uh, she did not have what it took to compete with these women on the same scale. Her body was kind of uh, still boyish. Uh, she didn't have the looks or the singing skills and all of that. So she allowed herself to explore 
being more of her. And she started understanding that um, her proclivities meant that she was more free spirited and, and wanted more freedom. And thus she wanted to have the freedoms and the power that men did. And uh, one of her patrons um, of the time who took a liking to her, she wandered into his rooms one day and outfitted herself in some of his clothing. She made a few adjustments and then she was outside walking around and stuff. And people were looking at this peculiar woman who was wearing men's clothing. And uh, he was so amused with her ingenuity that he set her up with a tailor and she started tailoring clothes to look like a mix between uh, female and male. And it took off. And so you then started having people that wanted to look like her. But she not only did that because she knew at the time that she wasn't ready to commit to fashioning clothes for other women. So she did something easy. And that was, she took what she already had. She worked with um, lower cost material, which is called Jersey material or t-shirt material, like we would uh, call it. And uh, she made the fashions out of that. And she used existing hats, but instead of the big floral kind of hats, she toned them down and made them as austere as possible with a few embellishments to make them very dominant and prominent. And thus she started spawning people who wanted to look like her. Well, Chanel was able to uh, take advantage of this to where she was able to open up her own shop. And soon a lot of women were wearing her hats and some of her clothing. So she really kind of like turned it into becoming the it girl when it came to fashion and avant-garde things. And instead of trying to compete head on with a lot of different competitions, she used her gathering spirit and she realized something. And that was this, that if you wanted to get uh, people to have you always in their memories work with their senses. Now, no one said this, but I can just imagine someone trained to be a courtesan would know that the sensual is the uh, bridge way to getting someone into your good graces and to get them to do what you want. So she came up with a uh, fragrance. Yes, a fragrance. And she did not want her fragrance to, to smell like all the others, which were just some take on a variation of flowers. So instead, she used some flowers and she used some other elements and she wanted it to be where the fragrance would smell differently on each person, but it would have a sense of mystery to it. And she started by spraying the fragrance in her uh, little shop and people started inquiring about it and they wanted to buy it and she played coy and then she eventually let a few people um, have a few samples of it and they did the word of mouth and thus we were born we were gifted with Chanel number five she even the way she named it was totally different and she was able to gather all of this attention on her mystery and her quirky way of approaching something that people were familiar with. Now, I took part of my precious time to delve into a quick little story about Coco Chanel, and there are many more. Um, but this woman truly had the life skill of the, harvor, of the harvester because she did not ever proclaim to be 
um, the purveyor of anything. Yes, she knew how to sew. She took sewing classes and all that, but she did not try to compete head on with people. She always had a way to look at a different way, a different angle to come at people with whatever she sold, whether it be clothing, hats, or um, perfumes. Even so, when she made her comeback in the... Um, the fifties and she was old. She was like, not old, but she was in her seventies. People were like, Oh, she's trying to do the same old, same old, but she understood her times. She understood trends. And when she presented it, she presented it in Paris, but she was really eyeing the, the wealthy Americans of that time. And sure enough, they embraced, um, her flair and her take on fashion. And you had first ladies wearing her, Jackie uh, Kennedy wore her and the Parisians had to eat their hats because (laughs) she showed them once again that she had the harvesting skill. Now in the book, play bigger. Now. Okay. So where I got this particular take on this story and I added a little bit of my own is from uh, Robert Greene's The Laws of Nature. I encourage you to get the book. I'll drop the link in the description. Um, but I also want to talk about another book and that is Play Bigger. And that book uh, deals with how to find a way to either create a category or find a way to take over a category where the competition never can take it away from you. And there is a part in there. Everybody is so um, focused on how to be the category king, how to design your category. But there is a just as big uh, component that they talk about in the latter part of the book where they talk about uh, the category harvester. And it beckons back to uh, Coco Chanel and others who were able to to take advantage of this. So think about the real world example of me going to a concert uh, in Piedmont Park and it is hot as Hades out there and everybody is selling cold bottled water. Even the food trucks are selling cold bottled water and people don't want to have a lot of sugar, but they want something more refreshing and you don't have a liquor license. Okay. So you can still sell water, but instead you get sparkling water. And you get a little packet of supplements. Now, these all of this stuff was prepackaged, so all they really did was assemble everything. Um, and so they put the little, and it, when I say it was a packet, it was a little like a half ounce little packet of granules that uh, gave you. Uh, I think it had a little bit of ginseng, ginger, and some antioxidants, vitamin D, and some other stuff in there that would serve the average person who was out in that sun and that heat all day, and having that big. Um, uh, well, the, the straw was an ample straw and it was a silicone straw and uh, it was the colors of um, the event. It was just a brilliant take. And that was an example of this harvesting spirit. So in this book, Play Bigger, after they have taught you how to um, become a category king and a category designer, they top it off with this nice cherry of how and when to be a category harvester. And I'm going to say this, a lot of people are really good at being innovative, but there needs to be just as many people who know how to make the most of the opportunity. Too many times people leave money on the table or they don't even see that there's money to be gotten that's on the table. And thus, this is a wisdom smack life training, life skills training that I want to make sure that you understand. Okay, so. With that, in becoming a harvester, 
First of all, you need to understand whether you are a producer or a consumer in a situation. And the reason why that's important is because harvesting is part of invisible income. Now, I did a podcast a few days ago talking about invisible income. Please check that out. That'll give you a little bit more of what I'm talking about with this hidden income. But to make sure that you're able to see the opportunity, you have to have these goggles of understanding. And that is first and foremost, that you are a producer or a provider and not just a consumer. Because a producer or a provider is at one time a consumer who has understood how to now turn around and service this consumer. Think back to my example of the people who were selling the ice cold sparkling water with the packet of um, additional uh, supplements and a big silicone straw. It was brilliant. And they were able to sell their product at more than twice the amount. So that meant that they did not have to sell as many units. And um, and I will just go ahead and tell you, they were selling as many units as a lot of the other ones. Because think about it. For that little 16-ounce bottle of water, most people were buying two and three of them anyway because you could down one of those with how hot it was. But if you went, and I said it was 22 ounces, the bottles that they were selling were 32 ounces. So sorry about that. They were 32-ounce bottles, 33.9 to be exact. And uh, they not only had the the sparkling water, they had the supplement if you wanted it because it was on the side. So you got a choice. And they had the straw so that you could close the bottle back up, you know, drink from the straw or whatever, and then keep the straw. And uh, it, it was brilliant. And that's what comes when you understand how to produce or provide for consumers. The next thing is, is that As a harvester, you have to start being able to see and to take advantage of opportunity. Now, with opportunity, one of the biggest components in opportunity is going to be leverage. Going back to my example again, they use the leverage of being able to know that a lot of their competitors were going to already be offering ice cold water. And so what they also did, and this is the thing, because I remember I bought my little water. Now, I, I've been to Trader Joe's and I've bought cases of that water. I know how much that water costs per per whatever. But because of the convenience of where it was and the fact that it was sparkling and not flat and it was cold and they had the little supplement that I was familiar with and I got the little silicone straw that I thought was cute. I was willing to pay $7 for it as opposed to 2 or $3 for the other bottled waters. And this is the thing. They took advantage of the opportunity because just like others, when people saw me walking around with that bottle and the straw and all of that, they were like, where'd you get that? And I had to point to there. You go over there through here and over and that's where you buy it. And they were like, how much? And they were like, I, you know, I told them $7 and they looked at that and they looked at the little waters. They're like, you know what? It's worth it. And it's because not only did they have competition to compare with where they were able to show their difference, how they were different and unique, but then they also were able to take um, the opportunity of word of mouth marketing and convenience because you're not going to go jump in your car and leave the park, go through all of the parking because, you know, a lot of us, we had to pay for parking. So once you get there, you stuck. And um, 
there's only so much water you're gonna lug in you know let's just be let's just be honest if it's just you you're not gonna be trying to bring a big chest of water with you um so it was convenient it made other people want it when they saw you with it and they were taking advantage of the fact that they were different from the other water vendors there and it was a brilliant, a brilliant success. And so because of that, they were able to gather the opportunities and turn them into a profit for themselves. And then this is the next thing. You do not repeat. You don't have to be an innovator. You can. You can be the category designer, the category king, and the category harvester, meaning that you put together the new um, niche you uh, design it, you operate in it, and then you find more ways to take advantage of it. You can definitely do that. But in the for the most part, the biggest thing that you need to learn about a harvester, a true harvester, is when they see opportunity, they pounce. They are strong implementers. And that's where a lot of category kings and designers fail. They are really good with getting something off the ground and they are even good with getting it running. What they are not good at is giving uh, different iterations and variations on what they offer. And the harvesting skill, the gathering spirit finds new and innovative ways to do a take on what it is. Think of it as a derivative, you know, like. With these people, they came up with the idea to offer sparkling water. It was cold, just like the regular water. They made it larger. They added a supplement on the side. And they gave you a commemorative straw to to justify that you were going to pay $7. Because after you threw away the bottle and the empty packet, you were still going to have that straw. Okay? And... It was, like I said, it was, it was a brilliant thing. It was very clever, very shrewd, cunning, however you want to call it. But I will tell you, you cannot just take this for granted. There are ways to do this. So with my last few minutes that I have, I'm going to break it down as best I can on how to start having the harvesting skill. Okay, so I've talked about being a producer who services consumers. I've talked about harvesting as part of the invisible income gathering. I've even talked about uh, uh, making way for opportunities and being a strong implementer. I've referenced Coco Chanel from the uh, treatise that was done on her in the book, um, The Laws of Nature by Robert Greene. And I've also uh, talked about what is um, a harvester in the book, Play Play Bigger. Now, I, I will say this, that in the book, Play Bigger, about at the time when they wrote it, they suspected that Tim Cook of Apple was a great harvester. And with the way they defined a harvester, and this is the difference between how they define a harvester and how my example for Coco Chanel was, is that Coco Chanel was the whole package. She was not only a harvester, she was a category queen, king, as well as a designer. And uh, she she knew how to harvest. Okay, Tim Cook is taking on the legacy of Steve Jobs, and so he has done a very good job at harvesting. Um, now there are pros and cons to harvesting, and if you are truly a harvester, you're going to have to befriend or go into business with or marry 
a true designer and innovative create uh, category king or queen because they come up with the ideas and the harvesters implement. And not only do they implement, they are very good at taking what you came up with and finding slight variations to it to be able to exact more out of it. So think about the, the time or the person where you saw them using something in a non-traditional way that was just as clever and uh, those types of things. That's going to be a harvester. Think about all of those. Now, now they have an entire niche on YouTube where these people show clever ways of doing things, using things that are not made for what they're using them for, but they work very well. These are harvesters. And so a true harvester by themselves is not necessarily an innovative uh, creator. They don't necessarily come up with the new category, the new niche, but they definitely know how to take what you've done and run with it. Okay. All right. So in our last little moments with the practical priestess part of this, if you say, hey, I need to either up my game to know how to harvest or I am a harvester, this makes sense. And how do I turn it to my advantage? What I want you to do is I want you to, to look at what the uh, industry, the niche or whatever it is you're trying to work within, what are they doing? And then instead of trying to create something totally new, go to the outer edges of it. And that's where you're going to start working on what you produce. So uh, remember Coco Chanel, she started uh, changing her clothes. So there was already an industry. And what she did was, is she noticed that women were very, wearing very complicated dress that was very constricting with the bodices, the uh, waist cinchers and all that kind of stuff. And what she did was, is she took the fact that she wanted more freedom. She did away with the, the girdles and the waist cinchers, but she, she left a closely cropped uh, frame for um, the dresses and the clothing that she, that she designed to still show the women, womanly curves. But then she gave it hints of androgyny where she brought in the, the, the crisp lines of men's clothing. When she did her hats, she did the same thing. She stripped away and started up uh, with uh, more architecture and clean lines instead of all the flowers and it looking like you're wearing a garden on top of your head. And um, then even with her perfume, she did the same thing. She brought in the element of mystery, but people knew it was a perfume and it had hints of flowers. And so it kept them guessing and it became an indelible uh, remarkableness that people spent their time trying to figure out what it was and they wanted to wear it themselves. So as a harvester, what you want to do is you want to start with something that is in the ballpark, but it has a slightly different approach element or a uh, highlight to it. It can be something that is innovative off of something, meaning it is in the periphery. It's, you know, adjacent to, or it can be that thing just amped up a little more. 
The next thing is as a harvester, what you want to do is you want to find more than one way to extract opportunity from whatever it is you're doing. Harvesters and gatherers are different because they can take what is already there and find multiple ways to make it either make money for them, produce for them, or be grateful to them. All right. Um, They are the repurpose kings and queens. Um, I see harvesters all the time with videos online of how they go to Dollar Tree and take things that you would never think of putting together and put them together in new and innovative ways where they then sell them and people buy them because they're like, this is cool. I want this. I wouldn't have thought of doing this. And you know, you did it for me. So thank you very much. Okay. Also with harvesters, harvesters are willing to have a little bit of destruction about them. Because when you harvest something, you have to cut away. And think of what Chanel did. She she cut up that man's clothes and had them re-sewn for them to refit her body. So you cannot be afraid of a little bit of destruction. And that destructive energy is what propels the creative side of the harvester because the harvester is not going to try to create something new. They're going to innovate, improve on what is already there, okay? And so step one, when you're trying to harvest, find at minimum three new ways to use something, approach something, or present something that is different than what everybody else is doing. Step number two, be willing to find um, an innovative take on what it already is there, as well as taking um, new ways to use the same uh, thing. So that might be where you change the product, or it might be where you change the people that the product is meant for and in the approach that you uh, take to get people to be interested in your product. And your product can be a real product or it can be you. So say, for instance, you're in the struggle trying to, you know, date or, or, or rebound and find new friends. Uh, you might not be able to totally overhaul and innovate yourself, but what you can do is do that with the types of people that you look out for. And so then the next thing is to remember that you are a producer fulfilling the needs of the consumer and that this is part of the invisible income, the stuff that's there that nobody else sees. And that because of that, you are an opportunity gatherer and your superpower is being an implementer of other innovations, okay? And so with that, you are now ready to start your way on becoming a great harvester. All right, so guess what? Yep, my time is up. I do wanna thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiva, your practical priestess of wisdom with another episode of Wisdom Smack. Don't forget to check the show links. The books uh, links will be there. And please don't forget to support the channel by using our Amazon link at michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. And with that, you know it. I'm going to see you tomorrow. This is a daily podcast. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, 
Please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.